Welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. When someone goes through a serious illness, the necessity of medical and surgical interventions is often mandatory, but the other side of the process, the psychological side, the anxiety and perhaps the pain, is such that we must also sometimes consider it as a signature part of the disease and perhaps the treatment. Eric Addis, a photographer, was a patient who twice went through this as he dealt with his own cancers. He subsequently developed attitudes and techniques to help him deal with the treatment processes. It's worthy to learn from him. Mr. Addis, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to share with you. We are equally pleased. It's necessary to state that everybody's treatment is different and that it might be advisable for anyone who was going through a similar challenge as Mr. Addis did to discuss these ideas and techniques with their own doctors. Okay, that being said, let's begin with an overview of what illness came into your life and, of course, how you're doing and then what brought you to develop these methods that were so helpful to you, sir. Let me just open that door to you. Okay, great. Thank you. I had cancer twice. I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2001, and then I had oral cancer in 2014. As you mentioned, I'm a photographer, I'm an artist and musician, and so I was waiting for my biopsy results from that first non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I had this vision of myself playing solo guitar on stage, and it was music that I had never heard before. It was unique and felt very personal and it was very fulfilling and gave me a lot of strength and I decided this is what I need to do. So when I was diagnosed, I committed to playing my guitar every single day. What I did was I set up my laptop and my, my guitar and everything so that I could just basically hit the power and, and just start playing. So there was very little setup time. And what I did was I just each day I recorded a meditation, an improvised sort of ambient meditation. So sometimes I would just slap the strings and the sound would come out and I would just follow that sound. It was very powerful because it gave me an opportunity to express emotions, feelings that I feel like were beyond language or words. At least I didn't have the words for them at the time. It was very cathartic. I now have over 20 CDs of myself playing guitar, which is pretty amazing considering it was about 10 minutes a day. That, that kind of really gave me a sense of healing power of creativity. It helped me focus and ground myself the phrase healing power of creativity. That really captures so much of what you've talked about. In talking to you and reading some of your material and listening to some of your material, you talk about how you also looked at the abstractions of a photograph, and that seemed to give you some peace of mind as well, especially when you were having some procedures. Could you talk about that, please? This is a really powerful story. In 2014, I mentioned I had oral cancer, and I had part of my tongue removed the lymph nodes on the left side of my neck removed. And when they biopsied, they thought it was probably stage one or stage two. They biopsied the lymph nodes and discovered some microscopic cancer cells there. And that upgraded me to a stage four cancer, which was kind of shocking. Part of that protocol then involved radiation to my, my tongue, mouth, and throat. 
basically it's 30 treatments five days a week and you have to be in the exact same position for each treatment. And it's fascinating as a photographer and an artist. They actually build a program where this machine spins around you and they can target specific areas and try to limit other areas like your optic nerve, important things like that. In order for them to develop that program, they do a high-resolution CAT scan, and you have to be in that exact same position that you're going to be in for the rest of treatment. For me, that meant they had to stick a bite guard or a wedge in my mouth to separate my jaws and to immobilize my tongue. And then they stretch a plastic mask or a plastic mesh and make a mask. They then lock your head and shoulders down to the table. You're completely immobilized from the head and neck, and you can't even open your eyes. When she went to put that wedge into my mouth, I just started gagging. It had surgery on my tongue. There was a lot going on, and I was very anxious, and my anxiety got the better of me. And it got to the point where I just even, she couldn't come near me without me gagging. I tried some of the deep breathing meditation techniques I'd been using, nothing. It just was very bad. So I took an anti-anxiety pill, which they told me was pretty standard for this sort of thing, and I went through and got the CAT scan done, and all was good for the day. I went home. I had about a week before they would be ready for me. I was going to be living by myself in Miami. My family is up in Vero Beach, so I was driving myself to treatments every day, and I wanted to be living. I wanted to be out there. I love art and music and food and wanted to go explore Miami and didn't want to be on medications that would slow me down, make me tired. And I knew the first two weeks or so, they said, it's sort of a free ride and then get very intense with this treatment. They told me I wouldn't be able to drive. I wouldn't be able to work. I wouldn't be able to uh, even swallow and eat, that I would need a feeding tube later. I went home. And I Googled how not to gag at the dentist because that was really the issue here. So I was just gagging. I found all these different techniques and said, okay, well, let's just try it. So I got in bed. I stuck a guitar slide in my mouth to open my jaw and set my iPhone timer to 10 minutes. And I started deep breathing. Nope. <laughs> I tried wiggling my toes. Nope. I went through all these different things that I had read. None of them were really working. I was gagging. And I just persisted. Eventually, some of the images from my previous show started to appear in my mind's eye. These are very abstract images. They were initially inspired by wondering what the first light looked like, and they are very expansive with sort of rectangular, triangular shapes overlapping, emerging or dissolving in the space. Two that really stood out have this blue light in them that I found very soothing and really felt like I was in a safe cocoon when I just let it sit in my mind's eye. I found that with that image in my mind's eye, I could lie there with the tube in my mouth and lie there as long as I needed to. It's actually relaxing. I practiced that for the rest of the week. I went down to Miami. I had some prints of these images. I had also found some guided imagery meditation using light and imagining light. And radiation is high energy light and sort of embracing.
embracing everything that was happening. And I sat in the waiting room and, and looked at these pictures, some photos of my family. And I went into this treatment room for the very first time. And I was shocked to see a recessed oval in the ceiling with a blue light projected into it. And it was very much what I was meditating on the week before. It just blew me away. And I knew that I could do this. I had anti-anxiety pills. My side pocket got on the table. They stuck the wedge in my mouth, put the mask on me, and bolted me to the table. And I did great. I was able to overcome that paralyzing anxiety that I had had before. It was so bad I couldn't even breathe. And I turned it into a relaxing meditation. As my treatments got more and more intense, my mouth was full of sores. It was so It was just painful like the kind of pain that brings a tear to your eye. And as that pain got more intense, my meditations got even deeper and more profound. While I felt my body was being weakened, I had an incredible sense of inner strength that was emerging. And like I say, that really had to do with that imagery and imagining that in my mind's eye, just floating there. I actually had one of the technicians took the mask off of me after one of my treatments, and she looked at me and she said, what are you doing down there? I said, what do you mean? She said, you're floating off the table. And I just said, well, I'm, I'm just doing my meditation. That's one of the stories of how, of the healing power of creativity. And it's just one of those stories that was so powerful. I, I went from, I couldn't even breathe. I, was, I went for a walk around the courtyard there at the Sylvester trying to just catch my breath, and I was dry heaving in the bushes. I was so anxious. Taking that and turning it into a spa treatment where I'm very relaxed and peaceful and feel like I'm healing and I have inner strength to overcome and to, to do well with a very severe treatment. Quite the story. And when we spoke previously, I was struck by a statement that you made on how you had changed the frame. You had changed the frame of your life and the way you were thinking about all of this. And this definitely sounds very successful. You have been also, I'm told, involved in a program called Arts and Medicine. Can you tell us a little bit what that's all about? Yeah, absolutely. Here in Vero Beach, I'm part of a pilot program called Arts and Medicine. It's a collaborative effort between the Cultural Council of Indian River County and the Vero Beach Office of Florida Cancer Specialist. Dr. Story is the oncologist. And we have a group of 12 artists and musicians, and we visit his chemo room three days a week, and we provide art activities or music. So sometimes somebody is playing guitar. Other times we have people do, there's an app that has mandalas on them. So I have a stack of iPads and work with patients to create these beautiful mandalas. Other people do drawings and collages and different things that you can do in a short while 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 the patients are receiving chemo treatment. It's pretty amazing the way that it, it transforms that room. Is it becoming more and more in your local neighborhood? Is it statewide? Are people nationally beginning to pick up the program? It's awesome. It's 
so amazing. You will find pockets. The University of Florida is a leader in the arts and medicine practice. The Sylvester Comprehensive Cancer Center, where I got my radiation, has an arts and medicine component. If you look around, you will definitely find it. It is becoming more and more mainstream. When I first started in 2001, there were a few places that you could go to that were integrating art and music into a clinical setting, but now you're finding it more and more frequently. I think it's so important and so valuable. Is there any place that a person could go on the internet to begin to teach them some of these things rather than, as you did, starting with Google and then a lot of experimentation. Right. Has someone established a website for this type of thing yet? I have a website, healingpowerofcreativity.com, that you can go to and see some of my stories, my artwork, and resources. The University of Florida has some resources on their arts and medicine website. The Sylvester down in Miami. YouTube actually has a great collection. If you search arts and medicine, you'll see some fantastic videos. Jill Sonke, S-O-N-K-E, from University of Florida, describes her program. There are a number of people that have described programs from artist perspectives, from doctors' perspectives, from patient perspectives. That will give you a great insight, I think, into what's happening out there and some different ideas and different approaches. There's passive where you're listening to music and that can boost your mood and transform. We talked about shifting your frame. Yes. That's one of the things that I see happening regularly. I, I play some ambient music in the Florida Cancer Specialist Office. And when people walk in or when I first turn it on, people do a double take and it's sort of like there's spa music at my cancer treatment. What? <laughs> this isn't what I expected. And that is, is awesome because it just things you don't know what to expect. It opens you up to different possibilities of, of healing and, and making things a little bit different than what you may have expected. It speaks so much to the power of our psychological well-being, of our attitudes, and with all the good chemistry and surgical inventions and what all, and many of them are very good, and, and you sound as if you did well with all of those interventions, and I'm very pleased to hear that. But life is more than just these mechanical interventions. It's the creativity. Mm -hmm. Another thing, you said that you committed yourself to creativity, not decline. That would be an yes. incredible T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can choose your attitude. Things happen in life, and you can control how you respond to them. I chose creativity. I mentioned before, you know, I got through my treatments without a feeding tube, even though they wanted to schedule that a feeding tube appointment before I even got started. That's how this treatment goes. I couldn't eat solid foods. I developed a, a bunch of recipes for high-protein, high-calorie smoothies that got me through. I avoided most of the pain medicine. I took very little pain medicine. My doctors were kind of shocked. It's in the attitude of commitment creativity and courage that we discussed. Is this something that people have to be taught or perhaps do they have to be taught how to accept their situation? Are too many people wanting to go have the procedure, have a pill and not deal with the emotional reality of what they're facing? How do people by and large accept what you're talking about when they know that they're going to have incredible chemotherapy issues and radiation issues? Is there a sense of that yet? 
one of the things that I see is that, yeah, people are there, they're, you know, maybe they have a book or something, but they're there to just kind of get through it. There's an incredible transformation that happens when we start working with them. They just light up. I did a mandala with a woman a few weeks ago who just was sitting in her chair staring at the iPad, beaming with the creation that she had made. And this was somebody that was very non-technical, was afraid of the iPad, but over time we walked through it and she gained more and more confidence to the point where she was so proud of what she had made. It was wonderful. Good. That's the power of this is going in there and treating. Like, it's one thing for people to listen to what we're talking about, but when you actually experience it, it changes everything. It's it's beyond the data and the talking. And when you feel yourself smiling from within while you're getting chemotherapy, you you get it. Like, <laughs> there's nothing I can say that's going to make you get it more. I am so glad to see people like you doing this, and I'm glad also to see that medicine seems to be adapting to this and listening and learning. We are so pleased that you are healthy again, and we are equally pleased that you have helped bring this program to people who need it. Eric Addis twice survived cancer. He took his artistic inclinations and gifts and created a program that is helping other people get through a very difficult phase of their lives. Sir, thank you so much for being with us. This is genuinely inspiring. Thank you so much for, for the conversation. I appreciate it. It's inspiring on my end, too. Take care of yourself.